Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hi guys, welcome to this week's episode of Heavy Metal Tones with me, your podcast host, Tony Evans. Um, on day of recording, this is Anzac Day, uh, the day where we commemorate um, the fallen soldiers of the Australian New Zealand Corps that fell at Gallipoli and all other um, wars around the world that Australian New Zealanders have been, and the Commonwealth, let's be fair, have um, sadly lost their lives too. So this is a, a, quite a somber day, but it's just it's also a day of, of celebration of the freedom these people gave us. They gave their lives to give us. So we should be free, and we should be um, we should be thankful. Anyway, I usually record on a Monday, um, but yesterday was a bit of a bit of a day for me, so I'll do it today, which is Anzac Day. So I'm not working, so it made it easier. But yeah, it's a lovely sunny day here, so my voice is a bit croaky. I've been suffering from. It's stupid cold for a couple of weeks, and um, and we went for a long walk this morning, and I'm just a bit dry. One second, and you'll see that on my TikTok video. Actually, uh, if you want to come over to my TikTok, it's up to you. I don't really mind if you don't, but it's there. Anyway, so this week's episode is part four of the Women in Rock month of April. Now, normally, normally I was going to have in my plans to interview a particular performer for a particular reason for April. Uh, this has fallen apart because this particular woman, she's got uh, some exciting information to come out. So I'm going to wait, and I promise we wait and release it in, in sometime in May when the information is released. So that can, A, she can promote the, the, the exciting information, but also um, just because I want her to get as much out of the interview as we can get for her. Um, because performers rightly big or small uh, live or die by the media these days um, more so than ever so if we can use information like small outlets like mine with a small even though with a small audience a smallish audience it's good to get it out there and spread the word so yes I'm happy to do that now also she leads a very busy life so it's just getting you know getting time aside to do it 
So part four. So I thought I would do now. Then I would do guitarists, um, music, rock and roll, particularly at its very, very core. The most iconic in- image of rock and roll is always going to be the guitar, isn't it? Right. It is what it is. The electric guitar is is the iconic. You look at you. You type rock and roll into a Google search engine. Go images. And guitars will appear. Or Elvis, whatever, but mostly guitars. Now, I was gonna do. I'm not gonna do um, a series of all modern rock guitarists. There's a lot out there. You can easily find them. Most of us know one or two. Um, there's lots of images, lots of web pages, lots of fanzines, lots of magazines, lots of books written about female guitarists. I feel like I should gonna do um, some more of the um, obscure and groundbreaking. Um, and originators of, of, of guitar, female guitarists. And there's a lot of out there. I mean, I did the research and it was quite quite heartwarming to come across some of the information I came across. Now, these aren't going to be long-winded um, chats about them. It's just going to be a little, little bit about their life, where they were born, what year they were born, and what makes them significant. And then what I'm hopefully I'll do is I'll if I can get enough inf- enough of the songs I'll link them on my Spotify playlist that goes with the show that you can find on the Facebook page. Um, it, so I try and do that every week now so that at least you can if you're not sure if the music is obscure and you just don't know you can just click on my page, come there and have a look and have a listen, and it should give you some insights to what's going on in the brain of Tony Evans. Um, so, where do we begin? All right, we begin at the beginning, as someone famous once said. Um, now, so, 1900, okay, born, so from the 1900s onwards, so the invention of the electric guitar sort of going forward, okay. Um, born in March, on March 20th, 1915, um, is this amazing, amazing lady, Sister Rosetta Thorpe, Okay. Um, she was born in. Now I wrote this down. See, this is like, like lots of paper, flippy floppy paper. Right, my books. Where was she born? Look at this, God. This is. Um, oh, she was just born in 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 uh, Arkansas. Okay, so I'm just going to double check that one moment. I was right. Yes, Arkansas on a cotton plant, um, and she died quite young at age of fifty-eight in Philadelphia on October 9th, nineteen seventy-three. So she'd be a hundred, almost a hundred now. She was still around, isn't that quite amazing? Um, now, over a hundred, I should say. Now, uh, so she. Why is she significant? Why is she significant, people? Because she basically invented. The modern electric guitar sound uh, with a mixture of gospel um, blues and a very 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 and jazz a very very early um, progenitor of rock and roll came through she's inspired the greats okay listen to this in one second get my book of notes here consult the book of armaments um, it's actually Tharp, P-A-T-H-R-P, but I'm sure you could pronounce it Thorpe. Um, often considered the godmother of rock and roll. Um, she inspired Chuck Berry, Elvis Presley, Keith Richards. Um, she added distortion and fast licks and go- add to a gospel sound. 
um, coming from a really I mean this is a time in 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 the in the in the world not just in America but in the world where racism and intolerance um, was at its peak you know really really quite drastic still having I mean not slavery but certainly um, segregation um, which is you know awful in every aspect um, and she you know went to church uh, as most um, most uh, how do I say this? as most uh, descendants of the of the slave trade they were very religious people um, and still are because they are thankful for the what they have once they got out it's like like anything you know you you pray to God if you if that's your way inclined to get away you know to 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 take you away from the suffering and when it comes you know you have to have faith if you don't have faith in something in that kind of um, life you, you, you're going to just fall into despair and fall apart so they had to have something to reach for and she had her church and she had a gospel music and I do like gospel gospel music um, she also inspired little Richard Johnny Cash Carl Perkins Jerry Lee Lewis and Eric Clapton of all people okay so yeah born 1919 sorry did I write I said 1915 1919 and she died 1973 no she was active 1990 so she was born so she died playing in singing in church at four so she was born 1959 I am right there um my handwriting is terrible I should have been a doctor I really should have been I actually tried really hard to write this quite late this week um uh I'm going to read you from I'm going to read sort of verbatim from a little section here okay um willing to cross the line between sacred and secular by performing her music of light in the darkness of nightclubs and concert halls with big bands behind her Tharp pushed spiritual music into a mainstream and helped pioneer the rise of pop gospel beginning in 1938 with a recording rock me uh, her hit in 1939 this train her unique music has a lasting mark on more conventional gospel artists such as ira tucker senior uh, of the Dixie's Hummingbirds, while she f offended some conservative churchgoers with her forays into the pop world, she never let gospel music behind. So she did play with a band called the Jordaneers as well, and so she took that that sort of um, burgeoning new um, instrument uh, that had some you know the electric guitar and sort of did things to it like and you know and like a lot of these pioneers do to me that's progressive i would put her in the, as a progressive performer um because she's taken musical form and she's progressed it beyond what it was normally would be and what a fantastic thing to do firstly she's a a, a, a woman of colored origin she's suppressed and repressed by you know and segregated she probably wouldn't have she would be still considered property uh, of her husband um, and 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 you know it's crazy 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 yet she with all the love and soul in her heart and all the 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 passion of music created this great sound and I really love it I would honestly uh, urge you to and there are recordings you can hear them they're on I will put link them to my I said my Spotify, you can find it. If you can't find it on Spotify and I can't find it there, it'll be on YouTube and I'll link it on YouTube. Um, full of energy, full of life, um, brash, 
colourful, and I'm sure that there has been many a book written about her, um, but she's certainly one of those, um, you know, radicals that 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 take take uh, art and really push it to boundaries. Because it would have been dangerous for her. Can you imagine how dangerous it would have been for her? Because she's entering a man's world, firstly, nightclubs. Secondly, she's um, taking um, music of the Lord and she's moving into the masses rightly and perfectly rightly because obviously things need to go be into the light to be seen, don't they? Um, but there will be people out there that would have found her dangerous, as I said. Um, the older members of the church and the community would have thought she was a radical and uh, non-conformist and would have been something to be wary of. But isn't that amazing? And we, we talk about radicals like John Lydon and Elvis Presley and, you know, uh, and, and, and the Beatles and the Beach Boys and, and all these people that we do in, in this, you know, the and I'm going to mention later on the Joni Mitchells. We talk about these people um, as if, like... They're the first people that ever did it. But clearly, no, they're not. Um, how she came about it, I don't know. I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to look out for more of a biography of hers because I genuinely found her, the researching of her, fascinating. Now, as I said, I know, I've read, I've, there's much more that I read about her. I don't want... I don't want... I want you to go out there and do the research. I want you to go out there and say, oh, but don't tell me, don't tell me. Don't say that. I don't want to do it. You'll do it for me. No, no. You go and have the research. Because the more people, the research people like her, the more that her memory is in um, in the universe. There's a great, uh, if any of you out there are Terry Pratchett fans, I'm a huge Terry Pratchett fan. And uh, he has this, one of these storylines where small gods, where a god, if it's not thought about, it disappears. Like you look at the Roman gods, they're all gone, right? Like some of the Greek gods are, you know, the small deities, small Saxon, Anglo-Saxon um, deities, um, Celtic deities. They don't exist in, in. They don't exist according to Terry, because people don't, but that people don't worship them. There's like one where there's like a, a god of stuck drawers, you know, and no one's thinking about it, so he's disappearing. So drawers stay stuck. Um, fantastic idea, and it's the very same thing with with someone like Sister Rosetta Tharp, right? Or Thorpe. I mean, it's T-H-A-R-P, but I'm going to say Thorpe, right? And blame it on my English accent. So then we move in on. We move on. I'm going to skip all over the time frames here, okay? Because this is the way I wrote them down. Um, the second one for this part of the show is the classic and wonderful Joni Mitchell. And interestingly enough, it was Record Store Day, just gone, and John and I were queuing up um, to get in. The, the the store opened at eight and eight thirty, and we got there at six thirty, as you do. Madness, but hey, if you don't get there on time, you don't get what you get. And I got a fantastic, wonderful triple vinyl live, nineteen seventy two tour of Yes at the Closer to the Edge tour. And it, it is. It was the only one copy there. Um, and I heard a guy say he wanted one in the line. And as I was walking out, I thought, oh, I've got it. Um, and it's always a wonderful experience. It's actually one of my favourite days of the year. And we talk about Joni Mitchell, strangely, strangely enough, um, and 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 people like her. Um, now, Joni Mitchell was born on the seventh of November, nineteen forty-three. Now, she was born in a Canadian town called McLeod, a very small town, 
um, very small population. Um, now, now I'm sure it's how you pronounce McLeod. So any of those Johnny Mitchell um, fans out there, if I've misspoke, if I've misspoke wrong, it's M C L E O D. So I'm going to say it's McLeod. Um, now she was born. I did not know this. With polio, uh, very much like Ian Jury. The injury wasn't born with polio. Jury got polio from play- going to a swimming pool in Harrow near me um, when he was a kid, where I grew up. Um, so that's not uh, that's not. I was because it's a waterborne disease, I do believe. But she got po- um, and and lived in a home of extreme high poverty and uh, hardship. I uh, can imagine it being. I don't know Canada that well, as a, um, so my Canadian listeners, sorry if, I've, if I offend you, but I'm sure where she was raised, it was quite in the 40s. It would have still been out, uh, you know, frontier land in some of those areas, and it would have been cold, would have been wooden, wooden buildings, one heater, um, freezing, and and and, and 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 all sorts of things. Now she's quite a maverick, nonconformist, is our Joni Mitchell. Um, I think anyway. Uh, she's one of the, um, this one most people think of her as uh, one of the greatest songwriters of all time, and I generally also feel that as well. Um, very few songwriters, when you write them, when you put them in a list, are female. I mean, I mean, there's, I mean, there's shitloads of female songwriters. That's not what I meant. Is when you think of the when you put your list down, and this might be me as a male and my misogynism. I don't know. I'm not a misogynist, by the way, but you know what I mean. Um, my male brain, you know, I think of. I think of, uh, you know, Elvis Costello, um, John Lennon, Paul McCartney, um, you know, uh, Billy Bragg, um, people like that, you know, they're the people I I tend to think of as amazing uh, songwriters, lyricists, I should say, Um, but Joni Joni stands apart um, because she's of that time, the of a period of protest music. I don't like protest music. I've said this before on a show. I find the hippie protest scene um, unsatisfying and and um, uh, it didn't do anything for me, right? It doesn't do it for me and I don't think it did anything for the world. It made great, some great music. I mean, the Cat Stevens music is beautiful. Um, you know, uh, all of that 60s protest stuff is wonderful music. It just didn't do it it didn't do anything it, you know sitting around in a field putting flowers in your hair telling people to have be peaceful man is not changing the world in any way really um i've said it i don't want to go on it before but that's what i've said before and generally that's how i feel anyway um they forget about her contribution they also they think of her they think of her as an amazing songwriter but they forget about her contribution as a guitarist um she inspired Dylan, Prince, and a modernly more modern Bjork, and people like Taylor Swift. Um, she had this uh, unorthodox tuning. I think John and I were talking about this again, actually, uh, because she taught herself. So it was like, I'll tune it in a way that sounds good to my ear, which I, you know, at my very core, I find that marvellous and exciting and wonderful because me as a self-taught bass guitarist and a guitarist, um, I hate the term bass guitar, but bass is an instrument. Um, as a, as a self-taught musician, um, I had to learn things that weren't orthodox to make it down. So I mean, I sat in my bedroom for hours upon hours playing my bass like a 
bleed because I had no other instruments to play with it at that time. So my sound actually derives more like um, Limmy's sound, but um, and very much also like Chris Squire's in some respect from Yes. Um, that, that that and John Entwistle from the Who I think also got inspiration there because they, they played their instruments like a lead instrument or even a rhythm instrument. Um, it is a rhythm instrument, you know what I mean? It's not just I mean more more textures to their bass lines. It was the same with her. So um, she had intricate picking style. An intricate picking style was unmistakably hers, and it's so her and so um, copied now. Um, when you listen back to any of her music, and I'll put some of her pieces on that as said in that top ten, uh, you can really pick a Joni Mitchell guitar um, picking. You really can. Okay, it's she uses these sort of because she had very weak hands because of the polio. She used this percussive slaps and taps on her guitar to create rhythms and to create power and 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 movement. Um, she also really liked a lot of open tuning, because again, weakness in her hands couldn't hold a lot of those structures and the chords. So she liked a lot of open tuning, and also this together makes this fantastic rock sound. Now, would you put Joni Mitchell? Joni Mitchell, and even, just be honest, Sister Rosetta in the rock realm? Yes, I would, because it's, it's well, I mean, with Sister Rosetta, it's more your, your, because she's starting things, it's more, and it's pretty obvious, it's more um, gospel blues, right? Whereas Joni is sort of taking that um, blues, jazz, um, uh, and also, she would be influenced heavily from um, the, the 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 bluegrass blues of the fifties, uh, the thirties and forties, um, and the protest music of uh, like Wilco and, and people like that. Um, uh, you know, Wilco. Did I say Wilco? Hang on. I don't know why I said Wilco. Um, I didn't mean to say Wilco. No, I did mean to say Wilco. I also meant to say Woody Guthrie as well. Um, those sort of people so she was influenced a lot by that okay again um, coming from a poor background a country that you know not wildly forgive me Canadians um, not a wildly um, big name in rock and roll even though we've got Rush and you've got all this amazing stuff that's come from there yes but it was not a country that that jumps off your lips in the 50s the 40s 50s and 60s in rock and roll you would have gone US, UK, wouldn't you? And you wouldn't have gone Canada. But amazing it is. And she made her way to the US and, and of course, you know, became extremely famous with extremely talented um, and overcome her treacherous illness, you know, because that's, that's a tough, tough call. You know, coming from that folk scene, um, there's a great quote here. I'm going to read it because it genuinely, I think it's very apt. It says, when all the dust settles, Joni Mitchell may stand as the most important and influential female recording artist of the late 20th century. And that's pretty amazing, right? Pretty amazing. Um, so Fort McLeod, I found out, is in is in Alberta, Canada. Uh, sorry, I just saw McLeod. I didn't see Fort when I was writing the notes down. Um, yeah. M- amazing, amazing. I mean... 
she um, began singing in small nightclubs in Saskatoon and throughout Western Canada before moving to the nightclub of Toronto. She moved to the United States and began touring in 1965. Some of her original songs urged to forgoing Chelsea Morning, Both Sides Now, The Circle Game. I mean, again, I could big yellow taxi, of course, everyone knows the one and her wood and her Woodstock um, appearance. I just I'm not going to go. I said not going to go down into it too more. I would like people to delve into the careers of these people, give themselves something to look forward to do after the show. A um, little homework, right? Um, most of us out there, most of us, even most hardened black metal um, listeners that are just sitting in our pool of <laughs> of despair, darkness, and Norwegian murkiness um, will know somewhere that what Joni Mitchell did for the music scene. Anyway, as I said, not my kind of thing. I'm not into the protest folk music. Not me. Um, love some of the aspects of it. Not my kind of thing. But I really appreciate um, beautiful talent and wonderful, wonderful, hard-working musicians. And she is possibly one of the, the greatest of them all. Anyway. That's the end of this side for now. I'm going to go and get myself a, a new fresh cup of tea. Uh, and then on the other side, I've got a few more, uh, a couple more obscure um, and little known performers to chat about. Talk to you on the, side, on the other side, guys. Bye for now. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. 
Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Welcome back to part two of Heavy Metal Tones, the last of the April Women in Rock episodes. This one is, as I said, uh, as you've listened to the first part, hopefully, uh, guitarists uh, in rock, women guitarists, more of the ones you wouldn't know too much about and the occasional one you will know about. This one is completely uh, interesting. So I've actually gone a little bit backwards. I'm actually going a bit further back than Sister Rosetta Tharp on this one. I'm going with Elizabeth Cotton, born the 5th of January 1893, North Carolina, USA. Elizabeth Cotton was most, uh, most of us out there have never heard of her, right? And I'm going to be hands up, I was one of those people. Sorry, Russell Paper, Russell, 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 Russell. Okay, make my notes. Um, but we have all to know that she's a timeless there's a timeless classic that she performed and recorded called Freight Train. Now, those that don't know what Freight Train is, if you want to pause this, go to YouTube, Google um, Elizabeth Cotton Freight Train, listen to it, and you might find yourself in a whole rabbit hole of wonderful blues um, rock and roll that will take you somewhere else. Now, if you're not a lover of the blues, that's fine. Well, I've had that conversation with you guys before on the show about where have the blues gone. You know, everyone knows my, um, or should know by now, my absolute love for blues. And so when I come across people like Elizabeth Cotton, it surprises me that I didn't know about her before. Again, born on a cotton plantation, um, born of a pit in area even before Sister Rosetta. So, you know, 20 18 years before, still in the 1800s, the oppression and um, the uh, I don't know the the violence towards people of, uh, like her um, was even greater then. Um, and even though we'd gone through the abolition of slavery, uh, it still really existed in some pockets or another. Maybe not physically, but certainly um, emotionally um, and mentally. She, now she would produce this amazing uh, piece of music called Freight Train. Um, even the most I've written, even the most hard hater of blues will know it or love it, and I agree with that. Okay, like was this, like was Sister Rosetta. She was also born, um, uh, you know, uh, sort of born at a time when they shouldn't be doing things like this. They were um, just to. It was. Enough just to survive, you know, to get by. But they, but she decided that she wanted more out of her life, um, and she was left-handed, but couldn't get a left-handed guitar. Now she'd been playing um, 
in church since she was four years old and singing since she was four, as a lot of these gospel, pardon me, gospel singers do or did. So amazing that, that she could find a guitar firstly and going to get one. Secondly, just the the the, the, the nouse to turn it upside down, and it made her play um, the bass lines with her fingers and the melodies with her thumbs, which gave us a unique sound. She actually invented a blues sound called cotton picking. Again, pause it. I didn't know cotton picking was invented by Elizabeth Cotton. It makes sense. Firstly, from the cotton fields. Secondly, her name is Cotton. Um, so I would stop it and have a listen. Now, a big fan of cotton picking, the cotton picking style, was favourite of the show and, fa- and, and fan favourite of mine and lifelong fan of Gary Moore. Gary Moore liked cotton picking as well. So if you look, watch some cotton picking videos on YouTube, I mean, obviously, what I'm thinking of when I think of that, I just think of, um, I must have been when I read it, I thought of, um, you know, Foghorn Leghorn, you know. I say, I say, boy, you would go to cotton picking a minute. I say, I say, you know, you know, that, all that stuff. Um, and that's offended people, I'm sure, but I'm just doing an impersonation of, of, um, yeah, of that famous cartoon, okay? I say, I say, boy. Um, anyway, uh, amazing, right? Very little of hers actually exists to listen to. Um, so if we can find, if you can find it when you do your researching after this show, um, good luck. There's some small videos. Um, there is articles written about her in fact um one second i'll pause this in a second okay so um she died on the june 29th 1987 um folk and blues musician she is named that self-taught left-handed we've already talked about that, that as well um here we go she was 94 when she died how fantastic is that really um and she died in syracuse new york she was born um in carib Carabaro, North Carolina, you and I don't know where that is. Um, born Elizabeth Neville, uh, Elizabeth Nevels. Okay, um, she was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame uh, in 2022. Well, amazing how long it takes that sort of stuff to happen, and it really, really does. Um, let's have a look. Um, she started making bedroom reel-to-reel recordings with Mike Sager um, in, of Cotton's House. Uh, these recordings later become the album Folk Songs and Instruments with the Guitar. So obviously there is music out there. There's just not a lot of video. That's what I meant to say. Okay. The song Freight Train with her... Uh, uh, Peggy Sager took the song Freight Train with her to England where it became a popular folk music circles. British songwriters Paul James and Fred Williams subsequently mis misappropriated it as their own composition and copyrighted it under the credit under their credit it was then recorded by British skiffle singer Chaz McDevitt who recorded the song in December 1956 under the under advice from his manager Bill Verley McDevitt then bought it in folk singer Nancy Whiskery Nancy Whiskey and re-recorded the song with their her doing the vocal, the result was a chart hit. McDevitt's version influenced many young skiffle groups of the day, including the Quarrymen, and they became the Beatles, 
um, under the advocacy of influence Seeger family. The copyright was eventually restored to cotton. Nevertheless, it remains miscredited in many sources. I mean, it says it all, doesn't it? I mean, I, again, as I told you, I didn't do that much research. I did the basics so that I myself could do just what I just did then and have a little bit of another look into them. Um, disgusting, isn't it? Uh, if you think about it, and I'm reacting now to that just in the moment. Um, that you can steal someone, you could steal someone's um, vision, music, and, and that's what I said, everyone knows Freight Train, right? When you've heard it, you've heard it, right? Um, I had, didn't know that they took the information illegally. I thought they recorded it um, with her permission, but clearly not. Um, I wonder if she got full recompense for that. I mean, who knows? Um, it goes on all the time. This isn't a, um, this isn't a old phenomenon. It's, it's happen, it happens every single day. It just makes it worse when you're stealing. It's like I don't know. It's like stealing the clothes off the back of an of an orphan. You know, I mean, what's going on? Um, you know, these poor people who who have obviously you know this talent, this wonderful, wonderful musical talent that they feel God gave them, you know, um, gives them a way out of the of the of the anguish and the the torment that their life would be under. Um, and they give to their friends in the world this piece of music that, you know, I don't know if the, all of you any of you out there are actually musicians, but creating music is really quite hard and all art uh, is is a painful and treacherous at the best of times and so if you then give it out to the world um, and it gets stolen and you know misappropriated and taken away from you and your culture it's quite disgusting and I know it was the 60s the 50s and 60s and people did things differently then um, but there's no accounting for it and I'm, I hope that whoever whoever's our bright spark idea it was I said whatever his name was Seeger's idea it was his idea. I hope he's really. I think maybe he's burning for it. Basically, anyway. Um, sorry to any family members of the Seeger family. Um, yeah. Anyway, that that aside. Sorry. Emotion toned down now. Let's have another drunk of my tea, and it will drunk of my tea. Hmm. That doesn't make any sense, does it? Hang on. Oh, that's better. Um. Yes, so all emotions aside, so amazing. Dig in, have a look, okay? Wonderful, the wonderful, wonderful, peg, uh, the wonderful, wonderful Elizabeth Cotton. And the fact that she made it to 94 just makes me smile. Um, and then we're going to jump to 1940 to Peggy Jones, okay? Peggy Jones, this was quite a read for me. Um, Peggy Jones, born... Um, 19th of July 1940 in New York City, New York State, a classically trained dancer, ballet and, and opera singer, performing at Carnegie Hall at the age of nine. Um, she took up the ukulele before uh, falling in love with the guitar. So, you know, this is uh, just about post, you know, born just after, before the end of the war. Um, and you know, growing up in New York City, quite an affluent city, but also still a lot of poverty. Um, uh, fighting in a male-dominated music scene in New York in the 1950s and 60s, um, a chance meeting with Bo Diddley turned out to be to change her life. And uh, and after play, 
uh, changed dozens of other lives. She played along with Bo Diddley um, for several years under the name Lady, earned the name Lady Bo. Um, uh, and she she formed the Jewels, um, which is a which was a uh, an R and B radio friendly R and B band, um, full of men uh, men and women. So it was a mixed uh, mixed band. Um, she had a very large family in New York in the sixties and seventies, and uh, worked right up until her sad passing in uh, at the age of seventy five in two thousand and fifteen. Now, again watch her videos with Bo Diddley because they're out there because okay? so I watched a couple all right um I, uh, to say that she was a, a a fabulous looking performer is an understatement um one crazy looking cat as I would like to said in the 60s all right big white afro white flying v um she pioneered rock and roll one of the, you know one of the early um pioneers with Bo Diddley you know in the like in that sort of period you know um, sometimes called the Queen Mother of Guitar. Again, isn't it lovely? You have the grand, you have by the beginning we had sister, and she is the grandmother of guitar, right? And then you've got this lady, this you've got her, and she's the Queen Mother of Guitar. Um, she left Bo Diddley in 1961 to focus on her work with the Jewels, as I said. Uh, in the 70s, she rejoined Bo Diddley, uh, bringing the Jewels with her. Jones was known for playing the Roland guitar synthesizer, an experimental instrument not typically heard in rhythm and blues guitar. So really fantastic because she's coming into that disco scene, that that, that time post-punk, post-glam, um, so pre-punk, pre-glam, sorry. So when you've got that sort of exciting musical things happening you know with things like african bombata and and grand foster grandmaster flash i know that's post-punk because that was like early hip-hop but they would have been around that in that scene in new york right um sad that's okay okay here so she studied the high school of performing arts so really gifted performer really really gifted performer and she met bo diddley in a bar um which was as she was when she was um uh doing well she was i don't know it says here just all it says is a chance meeting i'd love to think she was probably maybe working at the bar you know she was working on a cocktail na, 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 you know all that stuff um she played guitar on les cooper's 1962 instrumental classic wiggle wobble now i know that one weirdly and i know that one weirdly because my brother used to play it <laughs> it's a, one of those pieces of music once you've heard it it's a bit like tubular bells. It sticks in your mind, all right? Um, anyway, she also played with Eric Burden and the Animals uh, on San Francisco Nights. Amazing, right? Uh, she passed away um, at the age of 75 on September 60, 2015, um, leaving behind her husband, Wally. Um, he announced her death via Facebook, as people do now. Um, they were married for 47 years. Sad, isn't it? Um, but it doesn't matter. By the way, go and listen to her, what what she did record with Bo, what she recorded with everyone else, Eric Burden and so on, and just watch the video and just you can see one sort of someone with just this oozes rock and roll, um, oozes um, fun and excitement and, and and exuberance and everything that's that whole New York scene. Yeah, go and deep in and have a look and have a listen. Mainly also have a listen, right? Okay.
Oop, flicking my paper round. Get my paper round. Where am I going here? Oh, right. Now, we're going to round the show off, okay, with a with someone that I've heard of as a bass player. Someone that no one else may have heard of, but should have done. Carol Kaye. That's K-A-Y-E. Born March 24th, 1935 in Washington, in America. Okay? A session bass player. Arguably the most prolific bass player in rock and roll history. 10,000 sessions. 10,000 recording sessions. Worked it out. That's 10,000 recording sessions. It's, it, it blows your mind, doesn't it? I mean, it really, it really does. And, and some of the stuff, um, some of the people she's worked with, Brian Wilson, Quincy Jones, Frank Zappa, Simon Garfunkel, Frank Sinatra, Neil Young, Phil Spector, the list is is virtually endless, um, virtually endless. But every one of those people I've just mentioned is a is a uh, is an icon and a peak, uh, a beacon of their particular type of music. Right? Come on, Phil Spector. I know, we know about Phil Spector. We know what's going on. But Phil Spector, my God, uh, old Blue Eyes, Frank Sinatra, amazing. Simon Garfunkel. I, you know, you've got to think to yourself, I wonder what, I, I didn't, so again, I'm not dug into this. I wonder if it's something like Bridge Over Troubled Water. Because I once said to my lovely wife, we were crossing over the M1, and um, and there was a crash underneath, and uh, on a bridge, and I started whistling Bridge, bridge Over Troubled Motorway. <laughs> uh, oh, well, those were the days um, when she laughed at my jokes. All right, okay. Um, her ability to change form... Uh, or style in a flash was what made her so superbly adaptive and so wonderfully needed and used because she wasn't like oh I'm going to get I'm going to get Carolyn because she can just do blues or oh, I'm going to get Carolyn because she's really good at the old funk um, she could looks like she could do anything on the instrument she had a very unusual picking style um, which I would say again if you can get some videos watching her and there are there um she has this amazing textured um, melodic and syncopated style um, brought along by her picking technique um, it's what sort of gave her so much um, longevity into her into her into her years I mean she's been she started recording when she was very young um, and has played I said 10,000 you can't do 10,000 hours of recording um, or 10,000 sessions and that's more than one out ten thousand hours, without you know practicing, practicing, practicing. She's still with us at the age of eighty-eight, which is pretty amazing. And bass guitar, I mean, she's a guitarist as well, but her mainly known for a bass. Um, you know, started playing jazz in big band circuits uh, in the nineteen fifties as a session guitarist um, through a connection at Gold Studio, Gold Star Studios. While she worked at Gold Star Studios, people. Uh, working with producers Phil Spector and Brian Wilson, you know, as I said before, you know, all these big names, Quincy Jones. I mean, come on, that, you know, she um, she has since been known as the Wrecking Crew. Her work with the collective led to the prominent role in 2008 documentary film titled The Wrecking, Wrecking Crew. So let's look out for that documentary, eh? During the peak of her years for session work, she became part of a stable of Los Angeles bass, bass musicians, which went on by a variety of in, informal names. But she became known as The Wrecking Crew. Wow, okay. Right. As I said, mainly played in jazz, jazz um, nightclubs in Los Angeles. 
Um, and again, I think that she played with back Lenny Bruce, you know, um, some big, big names here, you know, big, big names. I'm trying to find out quickly while we're, who she recorded anything. We, let's have a look. Wow. This is live research, people. As I said, I didn't do this. This was so I could do it. You could do it afterwards, but I'm going to just jump in here. Sunny and Cher. Um, she played 12 string guitar on Sunny and Cher. Played on Frank Zappa's album, Freak Out. Wow. Okay. Um, the Monkees, The Supremes, Barbara Streisand, Stevie Wonder, The Beach Boys. Wow. She went on to teach as well, which is what most good musicians should uh, normally do, don't they? They like to pass on information and keep it going, right? Um, she played on the... Oh, here we go. Listen to this. She played on the theme, theme tune to the series Mission Impossible. And to the streets of San Francisco, MASH. Wow. You know, I used to watch the streets of San Francisco with my dad. Um, I never forget the car chase opening scene. Um, it was just something that dad used to love. Man, he loved all that stuff. And of course, we all love MASH. Who didn't love MASH, you know? Suicide is painless. It brings on many changes. And she did the theme, wrote the bass, like the bass part of that. That's just amazing. You know? She played with J.J. Cow. I mean, J.J. Cow. Gosh, she's, you know, where do we, I mean, where do we finish here, really? I mean, that's it. I'm not going to go any further. I need you to do some, um, do some research. Because her life alone, I'm reading this quickly, like I'm just scanning across it, is worth an episode of itself. But as a bass player, those that are out there that are bass players, even if you're not bass players, you will take, you will go, this woman is just outstanding. Again, like last week um, with the, the week before with the female producer that no one had heard of or should have heard of, she's exactly the same. I've heard of her because being a bass player and a music nerd, I'd come across her name in articles. I never really thought much about it until I did start to do this show. And, um, and you think, amazing 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 in a male orientated world they get carol to do these bass parts and obviously she's extremely gifted because she wouldn't be that um prolific if you weren't that gifted uh sadly i i would i'd like to think that she got paid the equivalent to everyone else but you know and i know deep down in our souls people that isn't going to be the case but then again you don't always do it for the money um I love doing this show every week and I don't get a cent for it, right? Um, not a shekel, not a dime, not a denarii, all right? Half a denarii for my only bloody life story. No, I didn't get, I didn't get, <laughs> there's your Life of Brian quote there, John. Just chucked it in for you. Um, look, that's it for this week. That's it for the month of April for Women in Rock. Let's just have a moment to think, say thanks for the equality that we have in music, that we can not worry about gender, race, religion, creed, color of skin, sexual preference, religious preference. We can just enjoy what comes forth from our creative souls, whether it be rock and roll, whether it be blues, jazz, pop, rock, um, disco, EDM, ambient, folk, whatever, whatever he rocks your boat. Um, clearly, you're in this episode because you like heavy metal or rock and roll or rock in general. Um, and so, 
<clears throat> hopefully it's opened your eyes a bit more and you go and expand your board borders so that 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 guy in and woman guys and girls in their basements in their corpse paint listening to their um behemoth albums maybe this might spread your wings a little uh, and give you a little bit of light and joy in your life um if it doesn't who cares man right it, it did for me so do your homework research these names i have so many more i could have mentioned and i've written them down but i time frames and constraints guys time frames and constraints anyway that's me for this week that's me for april as i said there's an episode coming up in the, end of the week interview with udo Schneider from um accept and udo i loved it it was a great interview i hope i'm sure you'll enjoy it um the mic this time actually worked really well <laughs> clearly i just buggered up on the first two I ever did but you know we were learning I was learning right my first two ever it happens right content was good though at the end of the day that's what it's about it's content isn't it you can put a crackly record on as long as the music it's underneath the crackle is amazing does it matter not really anyway bye bye for now keep safe keep rocking and do your research bye bye Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.